0: As I mentioned a few moments ago, this is the fourth Sunday of Advent. It is the last sermon in the sermon series on unexpected and looking at the unexpected ways that Matthew shares the birth of Christ with us. And to start this morning, I want to share the gospel story with you immediately because it's important that we hear this story for everything else that we're going to talk about this morning. And more than anything, I want to almost give you a warning that it's really quite unexpected when we think about it in any association with the birth of Christ or anything related to Christmas. It's not going to sound real Christmassy, so just hang with me as we walk through it. It's going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 13 to 23, and this is what we hear. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. But, where, but he, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Rama, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. Now as I read through that here this morning, this is right you know, the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, still in close association with the birth of Christ, but I don't know how you are, but when I read that text, and I think about we are almost upon Christmas Eve, we're only days away, actually we're only hours away, when we are expecting something really Christmassy, I don't know what your reaction is, but mine is when I read these words from the Gospel of Matthew this morning, my first reaction is, "Uh uh-oh. Or, oh my. Because I don't hear anything Christmassy here this morning. At least last week when we gathered together and we were talking about the Magi, those astrologers who came to worship Jesus, at least they brought some gifts which sounds way more Christmassy than anything I heard this morning, because I didn't hear anything about gifts. I didn't hear anything about singing Christmas carols. I didn't hear anything about decorations or Christmas trees. I didn't hear anything like that. In fact, all I heard this morning was something really dark, and if you listen very carefully, something I would describe as sinister. Sinister. Not the kind of stuff you want to jump into right before celebrating the birth of Christ at Christmas. And so, what is it that Matthew is doing with us here this morning? Because if we're not careful, I mean, this can just bring us way down really fast because it is dark. Stuff. So the first thing that I want to do this morning is I want to put out our main point right away. A lot of times I try to build up to that. By the time we get to the end of the sermon, we mention it so we can hold on to it and take it with us. I still hope that we'll do that. But right off the bat, up front, I want to name for us what I think Matthew is doing so that we can be aware of it and so we can carry it with us throughout our time together and then when we leave here this morning. And I want to lift up for you a phrase that Tim Keller has used that I think is really helpful when we look at Matthew's message here this morning. And the phrase is this, that Christmas does not mean the end of darkness. It means the light shines in the darkness. I want to say that one more time because that is a power-packed statement, that Christmas does not mean the end of darkness. It means the light shines in the darkness. I think this is really important for us because a lot of times when we think about Christmas, we think, well, when Jesus is born among us, everything is magically going to be better. There's not going to be any more brokenness. There's not going to be any more pain. There's not going to be any more darkness. That's not what Matthew is sharing with us. It's not what the gospel offers to us. But what the gospel does say is that no matter how dark, no matter how bleak, no matter how awful, The light of Christ, this newborn king, this newborn son born among us, is still going to be there. Even into the darkness, the light shines. Listen to how dark it is again this morning. Chapter 2, verse 16. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that he had learned from the magi now think about that for just a moment every boy age two and under murdered these are innocent kids and this is what we're hearing this morning from the gospel of matthew why is herod doing this let's recap just a little bit remember herod is a mean awful man he is a mean awful tyrant and he was going to hold on to his throne or hold on to his power in any way that he could So he had heard rumblings that a new king was going to be born, but he didn't know where and he didn't know when. So he had called together his scholars and said, I need you all to figure out where is this new king going to be born? So they get together and the scholars figure out in the vicinity of Bethlehem, except they didn't know exactly where in Bethlehem. So Herod hatched a plan. And he called together his Magi, and he said, Magi, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make your way to Bethlehem. And what he said to the Magi was, you find out this new king, worship him there if you want, but then I want you to come back to me, tell me exactly where he is, so that I can go and worship him too. Now, that was a lie on Herod's part. That was his way of finding out where Jesus, this newborn king, was going to be born, who Herod perceived as a threat And he was going to go straight there, and he was going to murder or get Jesus out of the picture. However, his plans were thwarted when the Magi went and worshipped Jesus, except instead of returning back to Herod and saying, here's where he is, they didn't because in a dream they had been warned to go another way. And as we heard in Scripture this morning, this so infuriated Herod, he came up with another plan, which was, if I can't go there and kill him myself, here's what I'll do. I will use all of my earthly power as ruler in this place and I will send my forces to the vicinity of Bethlehem and just to be safe, we'll go up to age two for boys in that area and every one of them, age two and under, we're going to wipe them out and kill them. doesn't matter if they're innocent or not, we are getting rid of all of them and that should take care of this Jesus figure. That's what's going on here this morning and again, not light stuff. (laughs) But I want us to notice what's going on here. Herod has all of the earthly powers at his disposal to wipe out Jesus, and yet he can't, or he doesn't. He's got all the world's powers at his disposal, and he cannot overtake the light of Christ. In fact, listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 2 verses 13 to 15 one more time. It says, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother, escape to Egypt, stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and he left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. I find this fascinating that here is Herod, all the power in the world at his disposal, all of this awful darkness, sends it Jesus' way and what happens? The darkness cannot overtake Jesus. Jesus even as a tiny baby boy eludes the darkness, is not overcome by the darkness, is not overwhelmed by the darkness. Even as a tiny baby boy, the darkness cannot get to him. He continues, he escapes, he's able to keep on living. In other words, the light continues to exist. And so part of what Matthew is reminding us here this morning is it doesn't matter how intense the darkness is, how sinister it is, the light will continue to shine. I don't know what darkness you and I are in together this day. I don't know what struggles we have right now, but Matthew says to us, even in that darkness, know this, the light continues to shine. And that is one of the gifts that Matthew is offering us, that even in this heavy text and passage, he's offering us a tremendous gift together here this morning to continue to grab onto that light. We are obviously in the season of gift giving right now, there is no surprise in that. One of the things that I like to do most years, not every year, but I'm I'm always curious. So what are people out there buying? What's trending out there? What is that? What's the hot item this year? And it depends what list you look on. You get different answers. But I was doing this this year, and I came across a couple things. I'm curious if any of these resonate with you, if these are any of the things that you are buying. First of all, here's the first one I want to show you of one of the gifts that's apparently hot this year. It's a mind in soul, foot in soul type thing. And basically, it's the kind of thing, it's a foot in soul, but when you step on it, there are 400 places or acupuncture points that when you're stepping on it are going to hit your foot sort of all at the same time and apparently when you walk on these things it's like getting a massage every step of the way. Now that seems like a bit much to me to think that every time I take a step it's going to be massaging my foot but apparently you know if you have lower back issues or knee issues these special insoles are going to help you and apparently what they do is they mix ancient methodology with modern technology and bring together this amazing foot insole for you. So all of you out there, especially maybe you guys, if you're looking for a last-minute gift idea, maybe you want to look and get one of these insoles. I don't know. You can try that out. So that's one of them. Another one that I found that's apparently a hot item, literally, is the Heat Buddy. And this is a little, you know, like type, type of contraption. You can literally carry it around with you. 350 watts of power. And it's the kind of thing that maybe you don't heat your house in every room all the time. Well, you just carry this around. It's going to keep you warm. It's safe for children. It's safe for animals but if you're one of those people that's always cold this might be for you we laugh because we have a couple of our staff you'll often see them in a blanket i'm tempted to get them one of these uh, my daughter alex seems to be the one who's most cold in our house all the time i was thinking maybe i can get her a heat buddy she'll be okay all the time so again if you're one of those people who's cold or you know someone who is cold all the time you might want to think about getting them a heat buddy this year maybe the most distinctive gift Idea I heard was the Glow Bowl Fresh. Now, the idea behind this is it's lit up, it looks apparently beautiful, but the idea behind it is if you have young kids or if you have a party and people aren't overly familiar with your bathroom, this is going to show them exactly where to go so that no mess of any kind happens. And not only that, apparently it smells really good as well, but you know, if you want to be the coolest person on your block, you might want to think about getting the global bowl fresh and see how it works. And not only can you get it in one color, there are seven, seven different colors that you can look for. And if you really want to, you can rotate all seven colors going on sort of one right after the other. So again, if that's an idea out there for you, have at it. The other gift that I was looking at that was kind of interesting to me was the TC-1200 flashlight. It is approximately 25 times stronger than the average flashlight. It's also pretty tough. You can drop it from about 300 feet and supposedly it does not break and you can see it for up to two miles away. So it's really bright, it's really strong, it's really rugged. Apparently, policemen are using it, firemen are using it, even US Navy SEALs. So if you wanna be like them, this is the kind of gift you want to get. So if any of you still need any gift ideas in these last hours, there you go. I share those with you, because you might like those gifts, you may not. Some of them are obviously kind of gimmicky, but here's the idea every single one of those gifts, no matter how sturdy, no matter how great, each one of them eventually with time will wear out or break down or no longer work. Even the TC 1200 will eventually reach the day when you go to turn it on and it won't turn on. It won't work. It'll be overwhelmed in its own darkness. And part of what Matthew is saying to us this morning is that here is a gift in Christ, the light of the world, who will never, ever fade away. He will never, ever wear out. He will never, ever break down. He will be with you forever. And the darkness of this world will never, ever overcome him. Ever. And Matthew is saying to us today embrace that gift, embrace this light. And receive it in the ways that god intends god's light still shines no matter how dark the world looks even with a murderous tyrant who tries to use his power to wipe out this christ child god's light still carries on Oftentimes when we share together in a sermon nowadays, the idea, the way we usually have it set up is there's somebody up front, and there's some kind of presentation to everybody else, and it's a one-way street. But really, preaching and sermons was never designed to be a one-way street, it was designed to be interactive and almost a dialogue of different kinds, and I want to ask us to engage in that just a little bit here this morning, and here's the way that I want to do that. I will prompt you, but I want to ask if today we can respond together with one voice and just say, God's light still shines so when i say something like even in the darkness i want to ask you guys to say god's light still shines so can you say that with me god's light still shines even in the darkness even in the darkness so i want you to keep saying that and understand that because even in the darkness of cancer even in the darkness of betrayal even in the darkness of abuse, even in the darkness of anger, even in the darkness of fear, even in the darkness of injustice, even in the darkness of racism, even in the darkness of shame, whatever it is for you for me whatever the darkness is matthew comes and says here's a gift that will never ever fade away god's light still shines and don't you ever forget it ever So those are words that we say, but I hope and I pray this morning they're way more than words that we say. I hope it's a longing of our heart that we can grab onto the love and the hope and the joy and the peace that God offers that God's light still shines. It doesn't matter if we're dealing with cancer or fear or betrayal or jealousy or you name it, God's light shines even in the midst of those places. God's light still shines. That's the gift God is offering us this day. As we're going through Matthew here this morning, I want us to be really clear where we are at. We are still in the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, and you know this because we've mentioned it a couple of times, but there's only two of the Gospels that share the story of the birth of Christ Matthew and Luke. Mark doesn't say much. John doesn't say much. And between the two, Luke and Matthew, the account that we're pretty much familiar with is the Luke account. That's where we hear about the shepherds. We hear about the angels singing there. We hear Mary pondering things in her heart. All of that's found in Luke. Because of that, the more carefully we study Matthew, he tends to surprise us. Not because it's not there, but for whatever reason, we focus on Luke's account instead of Matthew's. But you might remember a couple of weeks ago as we started saying, Matthew, how are you gonna introduce the birth of Christ? He did it in a really weird way. He started with a genealogy, a bunch of boring names, except we learned that in those boring names, God was actually introducing us to a scandalous grace, that this light was going to be for everybody, that in the lineage of Jesus himself were these people we would never expect, and we were surprised at that. And then we were surprised when we looked at Joseph, major figure in the life of Jesus, his earthly father, and yet Joseph never, ever says a word in all of Scripture willful silent obedience and we were surprised by that and then last week we came together and we saw the magi the very first ones who come on their own to choose to worship jesus not prophets not priests not other family members but these astrologers from a foreign country come and pay homage to jesus and we're surprised at that but maybe the biggest surprise of all is what we hear this morning the way that God chooses to share this light in the world. Look what it says in Matthew chapter two, verse 23. It says, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. Now there should be something after that that says something in the effect of surprise because you and I have either heard that enough that we've lost the surprise or we don't realize what Matthew's really saying here. But the surprise is this. The most influential person in all of history came from Nazareth. Now that's surprising because Nazareth is a nowhere place. It is literally described as a small, out of the way agricultural community. Nothing significant was happening in Nazareth. If we expect somebody important to come along, we expect them to come from an important place. Every single society has its pecking order of important places and unimportant places. So in our culture, places like New York City, or Beverly Hills would be on one end of the spectrum. They're important, they're big, they're posh, they're elite. On the other end of that spectrum, that would be not elite and unimportant and not posh would be places like Buford, Wyoming. Now I looked this up, literally population one in Buford, Wyoming. You can look it up too. There's one house, there's one gas station, and there's one, uh, one, and one post office. That's all that's there. Not a very important place. Now, Nazareth had a few more people than one, but it was a nowhere place. Why? Because this God that we serve always works in unexpected ways. This God moves in ways that surprise us and catch us off guard and shows up in places we would never, ever expect, even in places like Nazareth. So God says, instead of Rome or Jerusalem, my great son will come from Nazareth and Bethlehem. Why? Cuz this God destroys our categories. This God turns our world upside down, surprises us and catches us off guard all the time. You might remember that at this time in this age in biblical times, the firstborn son, they got it all. They got the rights, they got the property, all of it. So if you were born second or later, too bad, you were pretty much out of luck. <laughs> But if you read through the biblical story, it's fascinating how many times God says, I'm not gonna work the way you would think. So God uses Abel instead of Cain. God uses Jacob instead of Esau. God uses Isaac instead of Ishmael. God uses David instead of all the older brothers. What's he doing? He's turning things upside down. God doesn't move in the ways we would expect. So God comes and he says, I'm going to use infertile old Sarah, Not fertile Hagar. God comes among us and He says, I'm going to use unloved Leah, not beautiful Rachel. And He does this over and over and over. So God is always looking out and saying, You who feel unloved, unnoticed, unwanted, I'm gonna be here for you and I'm going to love you and I'm going to use you. No matter how dark it is, this God comes and surprises us, and the light still shines, even when we think it can't. God says, oh, but it can't. A colleague of mine shared a story that I want to share with you here this morning. I want to get this right, so I want to read it. He says this, in early fall, her husband walked out on their marriage. He left Alice and the kids with barely enough money to make it through the week. Alice did not have a job, she had to quit her job at the factory, sorry, Alice did not have a job, she had to quit her job at the factory when the twins had been born. What on earth was she to do now? I'm proud to say that her church moved into action, volunteers stepped up and helped with the child care, people quietly made financial contributions, by early December, Alice had a job and things were looking up. My new world is not, my new world is much more demanding than my old, Alice told her pastor. I love the old world. I thought that was the best I could do. When that world came apart, I thought I was going to die. But the new world that I've been given is better than the old world I thought I had to have. In fact, my husband's abandonment of me may be the best thing God has given me yet. That's what she said. My husband's abandonment of me might be the best thing God's given me yet. How is it possible that someone can say that that kind of darkness intruding their life could be a gift? How could someone say such a thing? Because with this God, no matter the darkness, God's light still shines. With this God, no matter the mess, no matter the darkness, God's light still shines. Left to our own devices, you and I make Christmas an escape, a dream, a fantasy, something unreal. Left to our own devices, we say Christmas is a winter wonderland and it's nostalgic and sweet and the kind of thing you're always pulling fruitcakes out of the oven and life is just so grand and wonderful, except we all know, even with Christmas coming, whatever problems, whatever darkness we have in our lives, it doesn't magically fade away. And so the Bible comes and says, let's give you the real picture at Christmas. It's not that all the darkness will magically fade away. It's that in the midst of that darkness, God's light still shines. Because Christmas in the Bible is not like Christmas at the mall. And that is part of what Matthew wants to remind us of here this morning. God's light still shines. I don't know what darkness you are facing this day. I don't know what darkness you are wrestling with, but as far as I can tell, we have one of two responses that we can give to darkness. Either, number one, we can try to take on darkness by ourselves and it will break us when we try to do this. Darkness can break us when we try to take it on by ourselves. Or number two, we can let whatever darkness we're going through drive us towards the light. And when it drives us towards the light, then there's the opportunity for that light to begin to melt our hearts so that God's love and peace and grace and joy may pour in. Think about it this way for a moment. I have with me here this morning two candles. Here's the first one. A broken candle, candle that's broke, isn't gonna work very well. I can try all I want to light it, And I can try and it even tries for an instant, but no matter how I try, it's not gonna work. It just keeps sort of falling in on itself. And so in its broken state, the darkness continues to overwhelm. But interestingly, a candle that works, a candle that exists in the light, if you were able to stand up with up here with me right now, you would see that very slowly the melting is already starting to happen and will start to drip down the candle. But here's what's interesting. As it melts, the light shines forth. In fact, if we were to shut all the lights off and let this one light shine, it would start to literally fill the room. If this was a scented candle, eventually the fragrance would fill the entire room. How? As the melting is occurring. One of the beautiful things about the grace of God Is that God's grace doesn't come to break us or to break our hearts, but to melt our hearts. And in that melting, space is then opened up so that God's love, peace, joy, hope may be poured in. Over the next couple of days, we will have a number of Christmas Eve services together at the end of each one of those services either with real candles or with glow sticks with our kids we will have the opportunity to light our candles one by one by one and as we do that we will literally watch the light of christ spread even in the darkness my guess is that when most of us come to christmas eve we'll be excited to some degree we're going to be looking forward to it but i have a feeling that some of us are also going to come broken (laughs) feeling like the darkness is too much. And if that is us, let me invite us this day not to be overwhelmed in brokenness by the darkness, but to be driven to the light which will melt our hearts that we might receive the grace of God. And as God's light fills us, we then can share it with the world because God's light still Shines. Church, even in the darkness, God's still even in the darkness, can we say that as a prayer? Even in the darkness, God's Amen.